0: Thanks for being with us on Community Matters, Saturday mornings, 95.3 WBCK, brought to you by Lakeview Ford Lincoln, Richard Pyatt here with you. We're also a podcast, you know, you can find us at battlecreekpodcast.com and that's anytime If you want to hear an episode again, or you'd like to share one of our episodes uh, on your socials, as they say, you're more than welcome to do that at battlecreekpodcast.com. Boy, you know, when I was a kid, summer was the longest stretch of time, wasn't it? And now it just flies by at my advancing age. (laughs) And Hmm. uh, here we are thinking about back to school already. We talked a little bit last week about uh, the idea of uh, getting ready for back to school from the perspective of mental health professionals and uh, we as parents could be helpful to our children in preparing in what ways? And so we talked about that. Look for that episode at battlecreekpodcast.com if you like. How about now the perspective of one of our local superintendents? want to welcome Superintendent Rob Ridgeway from Harper Creek Community Schools to Community Matters.
1: Uh, good morning. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate you having, having me on the show.
0: I'm sure summer is shortest for you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we we are always in the in the mode of, you know, we're we're in the middle of the year, then we're preparing for the next year. The grant funds have really exploded uh, over the last few years. And so we do a lot of uh, reporting as well as grant writing throughout the throughout the summer uh, on top of preparing our buildings for that deep clean for the for the next school year.
0: In other words, what you're saying is there's a list of things that need to be done even in the summer when uh, maybe they're easier to do in some cases when. When the students are off living that long summer, we remember.
1: And we want want to make uh, everything just right. Um, Education is critically important to our community. It's important to us. And we want to make it when kids walk in the door that first day of school, that they know how important it is and important it is to us.
0: Well, let's talk about that. Uh, Is the importance of this always front of mind for everybody?
1: You know, sometimes we take education for for granted a little bit. I mean, everybody in America obviously gets a free public education if they choose to do so. Uh, But we do think it's uh, uh, critically important for our society to continue to be successful, to have an educated populace. It is going to take our entire community to do that. And we are always convincing, you know, our our parents and our staff and, and our community that it is critically important for, number one, kids to be at school. Um, One thing that we've noticed um, during the COVID years is that we did uh, online instruction and some folks feel like it's an acceptable way uh, to continue. And for some kids, it does work, but for many, it doesn't. So having kids at school, in-person, learning from that person that's in front of them, that teacher, is critically important for them to develop and meet all the developmental areas so that they can be successful adults.
0: Boy, how did you handle that when you had a, a student who didn't respond well to the virtual learning environment? And that's the conditions under which we were working, right? So how did you handle that?
1: Well, many times it would be individual. Uh, We would have our paraprofessionals and or our special education staff reach out to individual students, work with them one-on-one through potentially a Zoom call we did open the school up fairly soon after after covid started for kids that were struggling so we would bring kids into the school put them in a safe environment but you know individually come in and meet one on one with our staff so that like, we could help them so that was one of the ways that that we did it it was not successful for for all kids some kids uh, got lost in the shuffle because you know finding them and getting them to get on the zoom call was was difficult but when we did find that we we had a program where we had teachers had a a list of kids that they were responsible for that they would call and check on on a weekly basis.
0: And that becomes critical, the check-ins, because clearly you're not able to do that under those circumstances face-to-face.
1: Yeah, and so we're excited to be back. Uh, This is really year two of a a full-on school year. As I said, we actually had our elementary students in school every single year, except for the the first shutdown, the first three months of shutdown that we had. So we felt pretty good about where we were at. Um, But uh, now that we can have people together, like uh, we have our uh, staff development this week and we can do that in person. It just is so much better. Um, And we feel like the learning is so much better when we have the students in front of us.
0: When you came back, were there things that you realized you had to change that were realizations of COVID?
1: we learned a lot of lessons so an example is our communication with parents in some cases was difficult and most of our parents are really good but we have a certain population where they're not as involved with their kids but we found that they would and most people have a cell phone but they would get on a zoom call with a teacher versus coming in in person Um, and so our communication with parents has improved because of that because of this additional Uh, methodology that's that's out there that we really didn't realize i didn't even know there was a front camera on my my computer until (laughs) 2020.
0: i love it well we learned quickly and you weren't alone that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) that's really interesting so (laughs) what you've said is that zoom or, or virtual i should say um might not have been effective learning for some students, but it was more effective engaging the parents, some of them. So that's really interesting
1: during Covid. I started this uh, FaceTime live um, daily check-in with i did I did it with for students, but we've continued that on a weekly basis. and and parents really like it. they like they like to see someone, hear someone. Um, right straight from the, from the person at the school's mouth, I think it's a good way to communicate because people can actually physically see you and not just hear you.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's very interesting how uh, things have changed and you've illustrated two ways that uh, it really has and that we've learned. So now when you you sit here poised in August, looking forward to September and, and the balance of the year, the beginning of the new year, what sticks in your mind as some of the biggest priorities you're facing?
1: One is we want to ensure that kids are taken care of School needs to be a safe place. And there, there's lots of things that attach to safety. There's physical safety, of course, and we've heard a lot of those things that have happened around the country that causes people to be anxious and nervous. But there's also just that safety in the classroom that I'm able to speak by mind, I'm able to voice my opinion, I'm able to ask questions when necessary. So we want to set it, set up school to be a safe learning environment, the classroom specifically, but the school in general as well. Another thing is raising the bar, raising the expectation. I really believe people will meet expectations if you if you set them high. If you set them low, they'll meet those ex- expectations as well. Uh, so we as adults um, within a school atmosphere, we have to say these. this is what we expect. If you're going to come to one of our schools at Harper Creek Community Schools, this is what we expect out of you academically, behaviorally. And then if someone doesn't meet that expectation, then we're there to help them. You know, we have all kinds of supports, both on the emotional and the social and the behavioral side, as well as academic. And so we raise expectations with support. And I I feel personally that that will cause us to aspire to great lengths.
0: Yeah, boy, it's interesting you said that because it's not the first time I've heard an educational leader say that. If we raise the bar higher, They'll get there. They'll they'll meet it. And if they don't, we're here to give them a boost. But it might be tempting, I think was the inference, to think if we just keep the bar low because we're concerned about the ability to reach it and we don't raise it, that's a disservice uh, of a greater magnitude.
1: Right. And I think um, you know, as we're talking about into looking at a new school year, and as I said, we're we're past the time where, you know, we may have had some learning loss due to COVID. I, I think we need to put that in the rearview mirror and now start looking forward to say, what is the bar? What do, what do we expect and want out of our kids and their in their learning and just continue on. Um I tell people all the time, you know, uh, 200 years ago, people were self-taught and they, they, were, they were folks that did really, really well. Kids are going to catch up. There's no doubt about that in my mind. It's just a matter of let's not let the expectations be so low where we're just okay with average. We want to have great people uh, uh, graduating from our schools and taking over our society eventually.
0: It's interesting having the influence of the Bearcat Advantage and where I came from years ago, the Kalamazoo Promise, there was a lot of talk about preparing a young person for what they expect their eventual path will be educationally. And one of the things I keep hearing is that readying starts really early. Is that your purview in Harper Creek as well?
1: Yes and no, I think that uh, students need to start thinking of their futures at, at an early age. They need to see themselves being what they want to be. When I say successful, everybody has a different viewpoint on what that means. They need to be able to see themselves as whatever it is they see in their mind you know if they if they want to be a doctor or a lawyer, great, this is the pathway you're going to have to take. but if they aspire to be someone that you know works in the trades with their hands, we want to make sure that they start that at a somewhat of an early age so we talk about careers and career developments in the elementary school but in the middle school that's where we really start saying okay here's some experiences to see if this is something for you well i used to teach math when i was a, a teacher and many of my students who were better students would say i want to be an engineer and i said oh so what do you think an engineer does and they said well they do math and, and science and i said well they, they also build things are you good with your hands are you able to tear things apart and put them back together. And he said, well, I don't, I'm not really good at that. And so trying to hone in to say, what is it that you have a skill at and, and then a passion for? But yeah, I, I believe in sixth or seventh grade, uh, kids should really start thinking about what that future looks like and start that pathway so that um, they can have and gain experiences so they can decide what they want to do. Um, we have a lot of kids that do do enrollment in um, high school specifically, mm-hmm. um, and that gives them a, really a leg up as they go to college because, A, it's financially paid for, so it's helpful to their parents and, and them that they have to have debt. But it also gives them the experience of, okay, I do like this or I don't like to do this. And so we feel really good about the fact that there's lots of opportunities in our high school. Uh, you might be surprised to hear we have a, a, approximately 900-student high school but if you walk in at any given time, there's only about 600 kids that are there in person. The rest of them are off-site. We have the math and science center, which does a really nice job. We have our, our technology uh, center where kids can learn the trades. And then we also have dual enrollment with KCC. So some opportunities right here in Battle Creek that that give our kids, I would say, a leg up exactly what we're talking about. What is it that I want to do with the rest of my life and, and starting those careers?
0: Talk about what Grow Your Own is all about.
1: So, grow your own was a, a grant uh, that came out. There are several states in, in in America that that had some form of this, and basically, we have a teacher shortage, and I, I would call it an educational shortage. So, grow your own specifically is for teaching and becoming a certified teacher. And so, the grant came out. Harper Creek decided to put in for it. Uh, some a small group of people put a lot of work in. We were very fortunate to get the grant, one point seven four million dollars. And what the grant does is it allows people who want to become teachers, or who are already teachers that want other certifications to go to college. And for us, it's specifically Western Michigan University, and they can do that cost-free. So it pays for tuition, it pays for books, it pays for travel, it really pays for any expense that you might have. So we have folks who are paraeducators that at one time potentially had dreams of being a teacher, or maybe they had a different career and then decided to to the school because they like being with kids and they really want to be a teacher but the financial implications as well as the time is really hard for people to to have a a second career or a a, an alternate pathway versus after high school going to college and then becoming a teacher and so this is an opportunity so 19 of our uh, staff members um, i think nine para educators a couple of substitute teachers and then a few of our teaching staff who are getting other certifications are involved Uh, they're just getting started they're all signed up at western it's a three-year program if they haven't started their bachelor's program Uh, many of the people already have a bachelor's degree so it's just simply taking courses and getting the certification so they may be a year out from being a certified teacher, I would like to say, and I'm going to say uh, to our staff when we have our welcome back uh, event, we're hopeful to make some dreams come true for some people who never thought that they had the uh, resources to become um, a teacher. And I know that some people look at teaching, and uh, you know, t- teachers don't make a ton of money, and other people can go out and, into the business world and do and do better. But really, it's a it's a passion, it's a calling, and for those folks that that love to teach you know, having the opportunity to do that is going to be a lifelong dream for them.
0: And the rewards of having had uh, the opportunity to influence young minds and lives is rewarding.
1: Yes, yeah. sir. As a teacher, I taught for 13 years, the first part of my career, and I still follow, you know, students that I had, they're now in their 40s. Um, and, you know, it's some very successful, you know, and it means a lot when you walk through, let's say, a uh, grocery store or you are uh, out in public and you see one of these people and they they talk about the influence that you may have had it's more of a calling than anything else
0: yes absolutely and uh, that goes both ways i'm still connected usually by social media with teachers of mine one of whom was my fifth grade teacher if you can imagine she's in her 90s oh my goodness and she's still she's on facebook and we communicate occasionally and, uh, it's very nice to, uh, to have those connections still, nice. you know, Harper Creek, uh, on the, um, sort of Eastern edge of the battle Creek environs, you have a bit of a, a closer seat to the potential blue oval development going on just to the East in Marshall. We presume that all around the area schools would see some effects of that were we to see the 2,500 employees come there that are expected. What does a school superintendent think about when you hear this potential coming?
1: We take a look to say, okay, where might in our district people build houses? I mean, uh, that that would have to be something that happened. Houses, uh, living spaces, apartments, things like that. You know, do we have the capacity? Do we have the capacity at, at our school district? Um, we have been fortunate over the last several years that we're growing. We're a growing school district. Um, and so we continue to look at facilities planning. The way the state of Michigan is set up with bonding, we really can't Factor in, you know, a, a potential manufacturing plant that's going to go in. Mm-hmm. But we think about it and we think about what our configuration might look like in that situation. If 100 families moved into our district all of a sudden, yeah. and we had four or 500 more kids than we currently do. So we are in, in the process of uh, uh, planning and learning because we listen. Um, I, I've talked to some folks who are close to the project and I've asked like, You know, what what is the expectation? And they said, well, look at a 50-mile radius around this site. That's where the folks will live. And, you know, some will be in Harper Creek, some will be in Marshall, but some will also be in Kalamazoo and Jackson. And, you know, so it'll be a a fairly large radius. There will be an impact. I have not seen developers jump forward yet in our district. I have a feeling that that some are, you know, getting themselves prepared because, you know, it's an opportunity um, uh, for all of us. And we need to look at it as a growth opportunity. Now, I don't want to get into the politics of doing it or not doing it. I've been a lifelong Calhoun County resident, lived in a farming community for most of my life. And so I, I do understand and, uh the folks that disagree with having the plant there, but we I believe it's going to be a reality now. And we need to we need to prepare and get ourselves ready. Um, and that would be not just the school, but our but our township, our cities, all the folks that it's going to be affected. It's a lot like when the The casino was was built uh, and there was definitely an effect we have a financial effect here at harper creek but it also had an effect of employees and and uh and families that that did move into the district so we're going to do the same we're not going to sit with our head in the sand and wait we want to really really have an understanding of how many developers are really starting to break ground and then making action from that uh we're fortunate uh, we have a beautiful high school. It's not brand new, but it was built recently in uh, 2005, so I mean, wh- ways back. But we have been facility planning for a long time because some of our buildings were built in the uh, late 40s and early 50s. And those are the ones that we want to take a hard look at for, for future construction um, as we pay back our bonds we currently have.
0: Well, and I would imagine that that's where some of the the focus goes when you think about, oh boy, what if we did have 500 more kids? Buildings that can accommodate them, and the teacher shortages that you've talked about—those must be the concerns.
1: Yeah, the the, the teacher shortage, really. Teacher employment has gone in cycles for for many years. There there was a a shortage in the, I believe, seventies, and it was a glut. In the '90s, and it's it's sort of gone up and down. So I, I do I do believe that that will come that will come back. I, I think the grow your own uh, grant specifically is gonna you know bring a bunch of people back into the teaching profession, which is which is great. So I'm not terribly worried about about the shortage in the long term. But really, we need to make sure that we have the spaces available. I think we've all watched other cities that have grown very fast. Um, and if we're in that situation, the growth occurs, as I said, with residences to start with, and then businesses and schools follow. Because our bonding is based on the seV of of, of our community, our um, you know the value of the houses uh, and properties. if that goes up, then we will have more money that is available through bonding. So it, it's a natural consequence of of, of moving forward. It's put Hopper Creek in a good spot. Uh, because they were supported, uh, supportive of um, bonds in the past. And so our facilities look good. They're in good shape. We, we keep them up well. Um, we just wanna make sure that we have enough space for all of our kids. And as I said, we're growing. And so our current configuration of elementary, middle and high school is, our elementaries are full of students at this point. So we would definitely have to grow a little bit to accommodate more families.
0: Superintendent Rob Richway, Harper Creek Community Schools, congratulations on the start of a new year.
1: Thank you very much. I, you know, I appreciate you uh, having uh, Harper Creek on your program. I wish you all the best, and, and we're really excited to have kids back in the building. We've made these buildings for kids, and let's bring them back and uh, do everything we can to make them uh, successful people in the future. The committee's ultimate goal is to schedule the referendum.
0: I can't imagine what the set of facts is that would would stop this at this point.
1: I hope I'm wrong. I hope that they are successful.
0: Instead of workers in China building the
1: batteries, we've got Marshall, Michigan employees building them. We want to be good neighbors.
0: Your go-to on the Marshall Megasite. Community Matters from Lakeview, Ford Lincoln, 8 a.m. Saturdays on WBCK. Catch up now at battlecreekpodcast.com.